0: to be able to bring God's word uh, to you today. We are in a series called, Do You See What I See? And we're asking the question, do we see things through God's eyes? Do we see the world around us through the eyes of the Lord? Or do we see things through our own eyes. And this series kicked off on Orphan Sunday, November 7th with Pastor Brian talking about how we see orphans and those who really need us the most. And then we talked about how we see people who are different and how that when we interact with those people, it may get a little bit messy, but that's okay. And then last week I delivered a message titled People in Need, talking about how people in need are all around us, but we really need to see them through the eyes of God to have compassion and empathy and let those things elicit an active response in us. And today we're going to dive into something um, a little bit different. I actually, go in a different direction from where I was originally planning to go. Originally, when we mapped out this series, today was supposed to talk about people with sin in their lives. Um, but I feel like the Lord sent me on a little bit of a different direction, and I'm going to share that with you today. I want to start by asking you a question, though. Have you ever had someone see something in you that you didn't see yourself? Maybe it was a parent, or a grandparent, or a coach, or a friend. Uh, For me, one of those people in my life, if you know my story, was my great-grandmother. She played a large role in raising me. Her name was Granny to the family, so Granny had this, this massive role in raising me. But Granny was the person in my life who saw something in me that I didn't see. She was the one who, no matter what I was doing, no matter what I was going through, she would always see the best in me. She would always call out things that I couldn't even see myself. And I believe that a lot of the reason that I am where I'm at today is because of things that she prayed over me, things that she spoke over me, things that she called out in me, uh, even at a time in my life when I didn't see them. So that's what we're going to talk about today, is how does God see us? How does God see us? And we're going to jump into a passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because I believe that one of our greatest struggles as Christians. Is understanding our kingdom identity. One of our greatest struggles is understanding who we are in Christ, how God sees us, and and taking that and using that for His kingdom and His glory, we have to understand who we really are. Parents, I want to say one thing to you real quick before I jump in, and it's this. I want you to do me a favor, and over the next two weeks, I want you to make sure that you take time to call out those things in your kids that are potential and not problems. I want to make sure that you take time to look at your children, and and even though they may be behaving in a way that you don't like, even though they may have some things going on in their life uh, that you don't 100% agree with, instead of consistently and constantly calling out the problems, I want you to take the next two weeks and call out the potential. So if you have that child that's a little bit rebellious, I want you to call out the potential that you see in them. Maybe they're a leader. Maybe they're someone that God has gifted in a certain way, and they just haven't tapped into that. And because of that, they're using their energy on wrong things. But I want you to take some time and just call out the things, the positive things that you see in their life. That makes me think about the story of Gideon and how when Gideon was sitting under that terrapin tree and the Lord came and spoke with him, Gideon thought he was a coward. Gideon said, I'm the least of all of my father's house. But the Lord called him mighty man of valor before he had ever fought a single battle. God saw something in him and God was calling him based on what he saw, not based on who Gideon thought he was. That's a whole different message. I'm not going to go too far into that, but I just wanted to challenge you uh, with that today. So we're going to start off, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 16 through 21 today. Just want to give you a little backstory real quick though. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 starts off with Paul talking about how our bodies or really a temporary home. This is a dwelling that we have for a temporary time that our real time is going to be spent in eternity with Christ. So he's basically instructing us, this is what you do in the meantime. This is how you live in the meantime. Before you go and be with Christ, before you have that glorified body, this is how you live. And so we pick up in verse 16 and it says this, it says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses or our trespasses against us and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ god making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of christ be reconciled to god for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god before we break this down can we take a moment and pray heavenly father thank you for this day thank you for your word lord i pray that your word would fill our hearts and transform our lives father i pray that you would speak through me that you would prepare our hearts to receive your word and that you would be glorified in all that is said and done here today, Lord. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, we're going to talk about how God sees you. And before we do that, or before we really get into how he sees you now, I think it's important that we talk about how did God see you? How did he used to see you? How did he see you at some point in your life? James chapter 4 verse 4 says this, it says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? That means you're against God or you're fighting or striving against him. He says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That word enemy is key. That word means that before you were a part of God's kingdom, before you received your kingdom identity, you were actually an enemy of God and God was going to pour out his eternal wrath on you. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered into the world, and because of that, we all became sinners, and that made us enemies of God. But God sent His Son so that we can be reconciled to Him, so that we would no longer be enemies, but now we are joint heirs with Christ. Now we are a part of the kingdom of God. But prior to that, God saw you as an enemy. Think about that. What is the most powerful thing you can think of on this world? You know, maybe you would say it's the United States of America. I wouldn't want to be an enemy of the United States. So many resources they could come after you with, so many things that they could do to you. Maybe you wouldn't want to be a resource of some other organization or, I'm sorry, an enemy of some other organization or something like that because of the resources that they have. Think about God, Almighty God, created of the universe, infinite power, infinite knowledge, infinite resources, and you were an enemy of him. We didn't stand a chance. There was no hope for us. There was no way we were ever going to escape God's wrath. We were an enemy of God. But if we go back to our text in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul starts with this phrase. He says, From now on, from now on. That's a separator. That means from now on. So it used to be one way. Prior to this moment, it was one way. But from now on, it's going to be something different. From now on, you have a different identity. From now on, you are no longer an enemy of God, but now you are a child of God. From now on, you are no longer in bondage to sin, but you have been set free. From now on, you are are no longer going to receive wrath and eternal damnation. Now you're going to get to spend eternal life in heaven with the King of kings and Lord of lords. Paul said, from now on, therefore. So because of that separation, because of that change, Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Your past doesn't matter anymore. Even though we once regarded even Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. And because we are in Christ, because we are a part of him grafted into the family of God because of Christ, from now on, we're no longer an enemy of God. So how did God see you? He used to see you as an enemy. He used to see you as condemned. He used to see you as one who was unworthy of him, unworthy of his kingdom, unworthy of his righteousness. He used to see you that way. That's how God did see you. But that brings us to the question of how does God see you now? How does God see you? And if we pick up back in our text in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, "Therefore." Now let me tell you something about the word therefore. Anytime it's there, it's there for a reason. So it's pointing back. Remember just a second ago, we read how we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh and we no longer regard Christ according to the flesh. And now we are in Christ. And because of that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so Christ is no longer regarded according to the flesh. So this next part is saying, if you are in Christ, it goes on to say, he is a new creation. So therefore, if you are in Christ, You're a new creation. The old is past. The enemy of God is no longer there. It says, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. All this is from God, which means we were incapable of doing this on our own. That's why it was so important that God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us, to to take away the sin and the stain From our sin, that God sent his only son to die for us, all this is from God. That means it was nothing you had to do to earn it, that we don't deserve it. It's totally a gift from him. That verse, I'm gonna start it again. It said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. What does it mean to you to be new? What does it mean to you to be new? Do you have that new car smell in a sense? Are you a new? creation? What does that mean to you? I know that as a new creation, I'm no, longer, I'm no longer identified by the things I used to do. I'm no longer identified by the sin that I used to have. I no longer have to carry the guilt and the shame and the weight of sin that I used to carry on my shoulders that kept me weighed down. That is no longer on me. I am a new creation. All that old stuff is passed away. Then he says, behold, behold. And to me, that means let's stop and look. That means let's take a moment. Let's really think about what this means. That means let let me turn my gaze. Let me turn my attention. Let me turn my focus. Let me turn my direction. Let me behold what is happening in front of me. If you were on a trip somewhere and it was somewhere you had never been, and all of a sudden somebody yelled out, behold, what would you do? You would immediately turn around and look at what they were talking about, right? Paul is saying, behold, take a moment to really look at what I'm saying to you. He says, behold, the new has come. You are a new creation if you are in Christ. He says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are his ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Think about that. So Paul says, behold. He says, look, pay attention to. You are no longer the old. You are a new creation. And because of that, you are now an ambassador. You're an ambassador for Christ. God is making his appeal through you. That means that God has placed you here as a sign to the world around you saying, look at my power to save. Look at my power to redeem. Look at my power to heal. Look at my power to restore. You are, or God is, making his appeal through you. And if that's how God sees you, if he sees you as an ambassador, if he sees you as a new creation, if he sees you as redeemed and restored, how should you see you? How should you see yourself? And that, I kind of just gave you the answer, you are a new creation. You are a reconciler. You are an ambassador. And that word reconciler, what it really means is, Paul talks about how God reconciled us to himself through Christ. So he has given us a ministry of reconciliation That's not reconciliation in the normal sense as we think about restoring relationships between people, although that could be a a part of it. What God is really saying is now that we are an ambassador, we are to go out into the world and reconcile people to him, that God will use us as reconcilers to guide people to life. In Christ. That's where our mission statement comes from. We are reconcilers. God has used us. He's made us a new creation so that we can be an ambassador for Him and go reconcile people to Him in Christ. We are guiding people to life in Christ. But as I was thinking about this, you know, we deserve sin or we deserve wrath because of our sin. We deserve punishment because of our sin. And as I was thinking about all of this, I asked myself the question, how is this possible? How is it possible that a holy God would look at unholy Jay and say, I'm going to send my holy son to die for him? How is it possible that a holy God, a righteous God, would look at an unrighteous person like me and say that I'm going to send my son, Jesus, my beloved son, my one and only son to die for him? Paul goes on to say in in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake, for my sake. And for your sake, we're the most undeserving people in the world. But for our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin. So God the Father looked at his son, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the King of kings and Lord of lords who knew no sin. He said, I want you to empty yourself of your glory. I want you to clothe yourself in flesh. I want you to go and dwell in the midst of this creation that's full of sin, full of depravity. And I want you to die for them. I want you to give your life for them. I want you to be a sacrifice for them. I want you to redeem them and restore them. It says that we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Think about that. I don't know about you, but that hits me because I can't imagine even just another regular person sacrificing themselves for me. But God Almighty, the God of the universe, looked down and he saw us. He said, I'm going to send my one and only son to die for them. He became sin for us, even though he knew no sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. Because of Christ you are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Because of Christ, you have been reconciled to God. That means that at one point in time, you were separated from Him. You were an enemy of God, but because of Christ, you have been reconciled to him. And because of that, you have become a reconciler. You are a sign that God uses to the people in the world who are lost and broken and hurting. And it says, you have an opportunity to come back to me. Here is living proof. You are a reconciler. We are ambassadors. That means that every time that we go out into the world, we are an ambassador for Christ. So we should look and talk and act as though we are ambassadors. We should remember who we represent, the king of the universe, the king of kings and Lord of lords. And we should live in such a way that it reflects that we are ambassadors for him. You are a joint heir. That means you are an heir to the kingdom of God, an unshakable kingdom. Scripture says that God has the cattle on a thousand hills. He has unlimited resources, and you are a joint heir to all of that. At one point, we were deserving of death and hell, but now we get to be heirs of the kingdom. You have been redeemed. That means that God paid a price for you. He redeemed you. He purchased you. You were bought with a price so that you could be restored. That means that all the old and the damage and the brokenness and all of the stuff that came with the sin and the shame and the guilt, God is rem- moved, all of that, and he has restored you and made you you to be glorified, to be conformed to the image of his son and ultimately glorified with him in in heaven because you have been adopted into the family of God and been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And God did all of this because he loved you. He loves you. And because of that, you've been forgiven. He sent his son to die for you, to offer you an opportunity to have eternal life with him. You've been forgiven of your sin. He says, I will separate your sin as far from you as the east is from the west. You are beloved and have been made the righteousness of God in Christ because you have been forgiven. And I don't know about you, but when I think about that list of all the things that I am, and let me tell you that this list is just a small snapshot. It doesn't even capture the whole picture of who we are in Christ. This picture is just, this, this list is just a small synopsis of it. But as I was thinking about all of this, and I've been kind of pondering this stuff for a couple of weeks, I really felt like the Lord pointed something out to me about how I should live my life understanding who I am in Christ. And it was a two-word phrase that he gave me. And it was confident humility, confident humility. And normally when stuff like this hits me, and I don't want to sound spooky, but normally when stuff like this comes to me, or I feel like the Lord shares something like this with me. I don't share it with other people. Sometimes I think God shares stuff with us that's just for us. And But this was one I felt like he shared with me because we as the body of Christ that put our confidence in the wrong things. And instead of being humble, we've become arrogant. Instead of being humble, we become pride-filled because we've put our confidence in the wrong things. And that whole list of who we are in Christ, the confident humility that we should get from that is, we should be confident because God wants us. We should be confident and that should give us boldness. Scripture says that, that Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, said that we would receive his Holy Spirit and he would give us power to be witnesses for him, we should have confidence and boldness because God wants us, because he chose us, he handpicked us, that we are made in his image, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. That should give us confidence. But we should be humble because even though God wants us and he chose us, he doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. And the fact that he sent his son to die for us humbles me. The fact that he sent his perfect son to die in my place, I know me. I know the sin and the shame that I have. I know the guilt that I've carried. I know the things that I've done. I know the things that I still do and the thoughts that I still have. I know all of those things. So the very fact that God would send his one and only perfect son to be the sacrifice for my sin humbles me because I dare not waste the sacrifice that Christ made. And I don't know about you, but this causes me to want to live in a way that glorifies him. This causes me to want to live in such a way that I can point back to the fact that, yes, I am an ambassador for God. Yes, I am an ambassador of Christ. I am created in the image of God and being conformed to the image of his son. I'm an ambassador. And that makes me want to go be a reconciler and say, I see that you're still living in sin. I see that you're still facing the wrath of God. Let me reconcile you to God so that you no longer have to face that. And then you can come be an ambassador with me. You can be the righteousness of God in Christ, beloved and forgiven. That makes me humble because I realized God didn't have to do that. Think about that. God didn't have to choose you. God didn't have to save you. He didn't have to redeem you. He didn't have to restore you. He didn't have to make a way for you, but God chose to make a way. And because he chose me, I'm confident, but I'm also humble and I would challenge you, church. Let's walk in confident humility. Let's walk in the boldness of who we are in Christ, understanding who God created us to be, but in the humility of understanding also that we so don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. We deserve death, and he gave us life. We deserve hell, and he gave us heaven. We deserve bondage, and he gave us freedom. We don't deserve any of those good things, but God, in his love for us, Really freely gave us those things, and that should make you confident, but it should also make you humble. And I would really challenge you as we go through this week and as we look at the world around us asking this question, do we see what God sees? I would challenge you with this thought. I think the greatest characteristic of the life of Jesus was his humility. The fact that he humbled himself obedience, even to the point of death, death on the cross. I think his humility was his greatest characteristic and the one that we should emulate the most. But I feel like oftentimes we do the opposite of that. I feel like oftentimes we we wear our salvation and our Christianity almost with an air of arrogance, like now I'm better than you. And when we look at the world around us, we don't see people through God's eyes. We see people through the eyes of I'm better than them. It makes us judgmental. And if we're going to be a church that truly guides people to life in Christ, if we're going to be a church that reaches out, that goes out and be be reconcilers, that reaches out to the community to be ambassadors for Christ, we have to do it with humility. Because let me tell you, if you walk into a a person's personal space, if you walk into their home, if you walk into where they live with an air of arrogance, you're not going to be able to reconcile them to anything. And in fact, oftentimes we will push them further away from God. Let's remember at the end of this week of Thanksgiving, all that we have to be thankful for, that we've been reconciled to God, that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because he chose us, not because he needs us, but because he wants us. And let that make you confident, but let it also make you humble. And let's live with humility as Christ lived in humility, obeying the Father, giving Him our all, our very best, even to the point of death, death on the cross, as we take up our cross daily and crucify our flesh and follow Him. Church, let's see people through the eyes of of God. Let's see people the way that He sees them. Let's be moved with compassion. Let's have empathy. Let's respond actively then let's see ourselves through the eyes of God so that we can go out and be the ambassadors that he's called us to be. You have been freed. You are redeemed. You are restored. You are a joint heir with Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are beloved. You are forgiven. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. You're no longer identified by your sin and your shame. The Lord has broken all of that off of you. You've been set free from the bondage of sin that held you captive for years. You no longer have to be in bondage to sin or depression or anxiety or addiction. All of that is broken off of you. You are free. I proclaim that over you, that you are free in the name of Jesus. You are free in the name of Jesus. Let's walk in that freedom. Let's be confident in that freedom. But let's be humble, understanding that what we really deserved was the captivity and was the wrath of God to be poured out on us. Let's walk in freedom. Let's be confident, but let's be humble. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for your church. I'm thankful for your people. And I'm thankful, Lord, that that even though Uh, We may not always get it right, even though we may not always have the right answers, Lord, that your word is a lamp to our feet and a a light unto our path, that your word guides us back onto the right path, that your word gives us boldness and confidence, but it also reminds us of how we need to be humble, Lord. Help us to see ourselves through your eyes so that as we go out and reconcile the world to you, we can see those people through your eyes as well, Lord. We will praise you for it. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus, name in your precious name I pray. Amen. Well, I love you, church. I'm praying for you.